Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. Our special guest today is Dr. Lois Malcolm, who teaches in the Systematic Theology Department at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to be talking about her book, Come Holy Spirit, Creative Power in Our Lives, published by Augsburg Fortress, as well as the new release from Next Step Press, Come Holy Spirit, a daily discipleship travelogue for Easter and Pentecost. You'll find a quote from Dr. Malcolm on page 76 of the Come Holy Spirit book. It's the meditation quotation for that day. And in today's episode, we'll unpack a little bit more what it means to become more fully ourselves, even as we are shaped more fully into Christ's image. To unpack all of that, we've invited Professor Lois Malcolm to join us on the Next Step podcast. Dr. Lois Malcolm, welcome to the Next Step podcast today. Great to be here. So where in the world are you today? I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota, St. Anthony Park, right between Minneapolis and St. Paul. Wonderful. And and how's the weather in sunny Minnesota today? It's just gorgeous. It's about 65 degrees and it's sunny and it's a beautiful day. Oh, spring is spring is a real blessing. Right. Hey, you are new to us here in the Next Step community. Would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit? Well, my name is Lois Malcolm and I teach systematic theology at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I've been here since 1994, so I've been here for quite a few years. What are some of the classes you teach there? Well, I teach um, all the required theology courses, um, and I teach the um, and I teach electives, um, electives on forgiveness. On mm. um, I teach a course on the Holy Spirit connected mm. with our lives. Um, I teach. A course, I just taught a course on God, evil, and suffering with a colleague. So I teach a lot of different courses, wisdom in theology. So a range of different courses. Wow. Is there one that's your favorite thing to teach? Uh, well, I, I guess I love it. <laughs> I love it all. Um, uh-huh. I, I love teaching the introductory course in theology mm. because that's kind of a basic catechism where people are thrown into what it means to trust in the gospel and allow the gospel to shape their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just love throwing students into that, into their baptismal identity and what it means to live in the life of the triune God who shapes them and calls them through promise. So I could say more, but I'll stop here. But. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I hope you will say more. Uh, thank you. It's so good to have you with us and, and all of our listeners. We're, we're just glad to have you a part of our community today. Hey, uh, I'd like to talk to you more in depth about your book, Holy Spirit, Creative Power in Our Lives. And as we get to that, will you please allow me to begin us with prayer? Thank you. Come Holy Spirit and be with us today. Visit us with your presence and open our hearts and minds to each other and to your word. At your invitation, we come. At your invitation, we seek you. At your invitation, we seek each other as well. Will you please help us get to know you a little better as we get to know one another? Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Lois, I uh, actually quoted you in this in my recent book from Next Step Press. It's called Come, Holy Spirit. And 
on page 76, there's a meditation quotation. These meditation quotations are kind of sprinkled throughout the book. And I was wondering if you would do us the honor of reading that. It's almost unfair because this is like a, a quote with three dots in the middle and it covers about a page of your book. But it, will you just read the highlight there on the top of page 76 for us? Of course. As we grow more fully into Christ's image, we become more fully ourselves. As we enter more fully into our individual potency by entering into the potency of Christ's life-giving spirit, we also enter more fully into relationship with others, more fully appreciating their own individual gifts. Hmm. Thank you. There's there's a lot there. Uh, that's why it's a meditation quotation. You can chew on it for quite a while. Let's just start with the first part. Uh, you're talking about two different paradoxes here. And the first one you frame this way, as we grow more fully into Christ's image, we become more fully ourselves. Would you say a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, I, I usually do a dance with this. And unfortunately, hmm. We're, um, we're, we're on tape, so you can't see it <laughs> um, But I, I like to call this the, using Luther, Martin Luther's language of the happy exchange. Oh, yeah. That as Christ takes our life, our sin, our death, our pains, takes all, everything Christ takes enters in fully into our lives and takes mm. all that we are. In turn, Christ's gives, Christ gives us his life. Mm. And as we enter more fully into Christ's life, um, here's the paradox. We become more fully who we were created to be in mm. God's image. And just mm. like you were saying at the, at the beginning of this recording, this does not mean that all, we all become kind of like cookie cutter people. Yeah. Paradoxically, what happens as we enter more fully into Christ's life, as Christ more fully permeates our life with the promises of God that we now become righteous and, and um, free in Christ, that paradoxically, we are more free to be the very unique people that we have been created to be. I can say more, but if you want to... Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that. I, I think that's so important because as we're, we've been talking in, in this whole series, in this book, about uh, the sculptor spirit shaping us to look like Jesus, and I think you can kind of get the wrong impression from that potter and clay imagery. It is true that the spirit shapes Jesus and shapes the life of Jesus in us, but you could almost get the impression that we end up uh, becoming... As we become more like Jesus, we become less individualized. But that's not what you're saying at all. It's the more the life of Jesus is present in us, the more uniquely we're able to express the gifts we're given. Am I hearing that right? Exactly. And the more unique everything that happens in our lives, both the good things and the bad, mm. Christ works in that to heal and transform it. So that everything that makes us unique, all mm. the cracks and crevices, mm. all the scars, even our wounds, become places 
where um, they, they become beautiful in Christ's life and beautiful in the unique way that art is very unique and very be- each piece of art is unique and beautiful um, precisely because of un- the unique ways in which, in which it's, been, it's been shaped. This is also why we belong to the body of Christ, mm. where we are different. I guess this is getting into the next quote a little bit more, but it's like in the body of Christ, we each have a part to play, which is our own unique, our, our own unique role. And the, the paradox in this is that we actually become freer because we are less defined by cultural expectations. We are less defined, you know, in our culture and in most cultures, unless you're powerful, unless mm. you look young, unless you have a body that fits standards of beauty, unless you come off strong in ways that a culture thinks you're supposed to be strong, um, you're not accepted. But the the paradox is that in Christ, we don't have to fit into the cultural expectations that are placed upon us. We can truly be who God has created us to be, which are which are essentially people who love God and love our neighbors as we love Mm. ourselves. That's that's who we are uniquely created to be. That's beautiful, Lois. Thanks. Thanks for that image. You know, I'm I'm used to thinking about our uniqueness in terms of our spiritual giftedness and the way we've been created. I'm not as familiar with thinking about how how Jesus has redeemed the scars and the woundings in our own lives so that our personal stories, although they're currently still wrought with sin and suffering, yet as as Jesus redeems those, they become a part of that unique creation that's ongoing, uh, that that we become unique because of our history, a history that's full of sin and, and pain, but a, a, a history that's full of redemption, too. What a beautiful thought. Thank you for and that. And part of it, too, is that history also becomes part of our gift to the body of Christ. Part of that history becomes a part of our gift to the body of Christ. Say more about that. Well, part of this for me, comes from, I've been working for a number of years now on a commentary on 2 Corinthians. Mm. And Paul's whole apostolic ministry comes out of his sufferings hmm. in Christ. That that's yeah. exactly where the life of Christ is manifest, is revealed in his body, in the scars that he's mm. had as, as an apostle who's suffered for the sake of Christ. It's precisely in the midst of those he bears the death of Jesus in his body. And it's precisely, you know, as he has entered into his baptized identity as a child of God, uh, it's precisely there as he is crucified with Christ. It's in that um, death in Christ and in the midst of his sufferings that it's precisely there, paradoxically, that his mm-hmm. apostolic witness, his call to be an apostle, shines through. I I know this in my own life as a teacher. I always say to my students, whatever speaks to you in my class comes out of death to self, Hmm. comes out of my own woundedness. Not that I parade my wounds, not that I talk about my personal life or, or all of that in class, but it is the power of God in the midst of my own struggle with sin and my own sorrow and pain it's in it's in the midst of my own clinging to the promises of god in my own life that i truly can give witness to the reality that christ is there for all of us in the midst of whatever it is that we are facing 
there's that there's that paradox of uniqueness and universality again in your own unique struggle in your own unique having to hold on to the promise having to be completely dependent on Jesus the the, the universal invitation is is present most fully that's really beautiful. Thank you for that. Wow. Um, there's a place in your book where you actually say, and, and this is, again, I'm, I'm taking only a small part of the quote. There's a bigger context, but this part of the quote really struck me, and I've got it you know, circled and highlighted and exclamation point and star next to, to especially this part. You say, the Spirit intensifies the diversity among us. We know the Spirit unifies, but you actually say the Spirit intensifies the diversity among us. Is this the kind of thing you're talking about there? Exactly. And th this is this is one of those paradoxes that and this is why anybody who wants to lead or or teach or preach needs to be open to the radical diversity of the Holy Spirit and the radical ways in which the Holy Spirit works in the unique diversity of humanity that we actually mm. are, mm -hmm. um, that we we don't have to be threatened by difference in other people, when other people are different from us, they too are created in God's image. And paradoxically, the, this, this is when, in a sense, when you know that the spirit is at work, when there is real unity, and at the same time, a unity that allows for true diversity, that mm. allows for true uniqueness. Um, as a prof, again, my my main role is not to create clones of Lois, yeah. um, but it's to it it's to discern how is the Holy Spirit at work in in each student's life to try to understand how God is calling me to midwife whatever mm -hmm. it is that the Holy Spirit is doing, <laughs> however the Holy Spirit is transforming you know, each, each student after the pattern of Christ's image within them. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, but paradoxically, it's still the same gospel that we're talking about. It's yeah. still the same Christ that we're worshiping. It's still yeah. the same spirit. Um, it's the same baptism that we're a part of. It's the same cup that we drink. So right. it's a unity in diversity. That's, that's the paradox of the spirit's work amongst us. I, I so appreciate your work with Paradox. Uh, here at Next Step Press, we like to talk about being open to complex truth. Like like if it's a simple truth that's only got one side, there's probably more to the story. And, and it's not even that there's only two sides. Sometimes there's multiple sides to the truth that's presented to us in Scripture. Right. So let's go back to that meditation quotation on page 76, because you were talking about one paradox at the beginning of that page. And then as we get to the end of the page, you say... As we enter more fully into our individual potency by entering into the potency of Christ's life-giving spirit, we also enter more fully into relationship with others, more fully appreciating their own gifts. Uh, there are other places where you talk about this interdependence, where we're not codependent or completely isolated or independent, but we have interdependence in the body. You talked about the body earlier. So is the body a good place to house this kind of diversity in unity? How, how do you usually talk about it? Well, there are several, I can use several metaphors. I'll, I want to start first with the marriage metaphor, mm. is that Luther uses that to describe our relationship with Christ. But in my own life, in my own marriage, um, one of the things my husband has helped me to understand is that he doesn't want me simply to try to please him or to capitulate to whatever mm -hmm. he wants, but he wants a relationship 
with me so that I am fully myself. And mm-hmm. paradoxically, a healthy marriage is such that you the, the union in the marriage enables both partners to become more fully who they are. And in some ways, that marriage paradigm also serves as a paradigm for the larger body of Christ, where you have a more complex picture, as you were saying, Justin, this more com- complex picture where you have a diversity of gifts in the mm. body of Christ. Um, I think of um, when our faculty at Luther Seminary is working the best. We don't we are sinners, so we are not <laughs> like this always. But there are those glimpses where each individual faculty member has a unique gift. And paradoxically, as that person sings their tune or plays their mm-hmm. instrument the way they're best able to play it, that's the way the, the symphony, in a sense, that, that's the way we best serve our students. Um, mm-hmm. I love hearing our students describe different ways in which different professors they have had have brought to the fore different aspects of the work of the gospel in their lives. You know, that, that you can't just have a systematic theologian. You have to have a Bible scholar. You've got need to have the historians. You need to have the, the, the leadership people, the practical people. You need to have the preaching profs. All of it kind of comes together to help train a pastor or a lay leader. It's like the whole, the whole body is needed. Just like in the, in, in the church's mission in the world, we need the diversity of languages, the diversity of cultures, the diversity of peoples in order to reach a full, the full planopy of the world for whom Christ has died. But it's, it's that we're not called to be cookie cutters, mm-hmm. but we're called to be fully ourselves. But paradoxically, the more fully we become ourselves in Christ, not ourselves as egos, but... Yeah. In the death to the ego, as we enter into Christ's life, paradoxically, that opens us up more deeply into relationship. I'll just say one one more example. I love team teaching. Mm. Um, And the reason I love team teaching is that there is something that happens in the chemistry when you're in conversation with someone else that there's there's a new serendipity, a new picture emerges. But that can only happen when you're, in a sense, entering fully into what you've been called to do, even as you can more fully appreciate the other without being threatened, without seeing the other as a threat or without trying to capitulate to the other. It's that paradox. The other is neither a threat nor um, is it's neither somebody you need to conquer nor is somebody you capitulate to. But you can be yourself in relationship. Yeah, because we're in relationship with Christ. So knowing that Jesus has me covered, knowing that my identity is not tied up in either capitulating or dominating the other person, I can actually enter more freely into a partnership with them. Exactly. Right. And we can enter together with a multiplicity of, of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's both, it can happen in friendships or in a marriage relationship, in dyadic relationships, but it also happens in the in the full body operating yeah. with you know the arms and the legs an arm yeah. is not a leg but nonetheless they each have their 
their important functions to play. Yeah, it's not just the hands and the eyes that have to get along. It's the whole body together, everybody doing their own part and, and the weakest parts even uh, receiving special honor. You know, that reminds me of another place. I, I just got done reading your book, Lois, so you have to excuse me because I've, I've just been seeped in this lately. But I want to turn to another place in your book. I'm on pages 72 and 73 if people want to follow along at home. I really did enjoy this book and would recommend it. But, but you were talking about here in this chapter on how the Spirit creates love. You talk about two criteria for discerning the appropriate use of spiritual power in, in Paul's letters. And the first one is, of course, the affirmation that Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. And if you're trying to do something kind of spiritual and you deny Jesus is Lord, it's probably not the spirit of the risen Christ that's in you. Um, but I also get the sense that when you talk about the affirmation that Jesus is Lord, you're also kind of the, the add-on implied there is Jesus is Lord and I'm not. I mean, you talk about how that profession uh, works against what you call infantile narcissism. So Jesus isn't Lord, he's in charge, and I'm not. And then the second criteria you point out is is these manifestations of the Spirit are there for the common good. Uh, and and you, there's a beautiful quote you have here on page 73 that says, um, We were given gifts not to serve our own interests— Christ has already taken care of that, but to contribute freely to the good of the whole. There it is again, that idea that Jesus has got me covered, so I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be afraid I'm not going to get enough. I don't have to be concerned that I'm losing what I have. If Christ has already taken care of my own security, my own interests, then the image really allows me to contribute freely to the good of the whole. Jesus receives the Spirit. Jesus pours out the Spirit on us. We receive the Spirit poured out on us in abundance, and that that gifting, that uniqueness overflows into the lives of other people uh, naturally because we're being filled, uh, and not in a fearful way. We can overflow out of abundance rather than scarcity. So thank you for, for what you've put together here. It's been really helpful for me thinking through the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you when I when I first mentioned invited you to the podcast and mentioned this was the quote I wanted uh, to talk about. You you got kind of excited because you said that was actually tied into your vocation and your calling as a professor. Uh, I was wondering if you'd un- unpack that a little bit for us. Well, you know, one of the one of the big things I've struggled with in my own life is how to put together my own needs with responding Mm. to the needs of others Mm -hmm. and how to put together self-love with love of others. Mm. Um, And, you know, as I say to my students, um, some of you, some of you need to be aware that, that you're in the room whereas others of you need to be aware that other people are in the room. (laughs) Right. Um, I, I was one of those people who needed, I, I realized I could not really love other people and work for the common good until I knew who I was in Mm. Christ. And it's not so much knowing myself authentically as much as it's knowing who I am in Christ. It's that Mm. Lordship of Christ that as I, as I, as I came to trust more fully in God's promises for me, Mm. I experienced a kind of freedom and I continue to experience a kind of freedom. That means I'm not defined by other people's expectations. I'm not Mm -hmm. defined by my culture. 
I'm free to be who God has called me to be. But paradoxically, that is what enables me fully to attend to my neighbor's need. I mean, this is a classic theme for Martin Luther. We're justified by faith. There's a kind of first commandment freedom. When you love God above else, all else, when you trust God above all else, you're freed. So you can, in a sense, that's when you can freely serve the neighbor without using the neighbor in order to buttress yourself. So this, this has been so central for me to understand that I can only really love people. I can only really work for the common good um, if, in fact, I know who I am in Christ, if, in fact, I am trusting in Christ for my own identity and security, then that frees me up to love the neighbor and to, to, to enter more fully into real relationships with other people, both professionally and personally in my in my home life, in my work life, etc. So I don't know if that's getting at what you were getting at, but yeah, no, that that's really helpful. I, I was just thinking in my own life and experience too, uh, the to stepping away from a full-time pastoral ministry into something kind of experimental and uh, even entrepreneurial like uh, this next step community stuff. Uh, if the more I'm tied, if my identity is tied up with the success or failure of my job, if my identity is tied up in how successful my relationships are or how well they're going, uh, it, then I carry a lot of fear and anxiety and I want to protect myself and I'm cautious about giving too much away to other people. Right. And the more I'm able to rest confidently in what Jesus has already done for me and and when my identity is shaped more and more by that knowledge that uh, the risen Christ belongs to me and I belong to him and the spirit dwells in me and is shaping Christ likeness in me, then, you know, even my discipleship walk doesn't become a burden. It's, it's more of an adventure. My, my identity, my vocation gets played out, not in an arena of success or failure, but, uh, an arena of almost play. Uh, this is, it's living differently to live out of that baptismal identity. Right. Very much so. Yeah. You tied that directly to vocation when we talked help unpack that a little bit for me. Well, you know, um, again, I mean, this again draws on Luther, but it also draws on Paul that um, Paul says in Galatians um, 5, 6, what were the hope of righteousness is faith active in love, that the more we trust in God, the more we have faith paradoxically in whatever circumstance we're in. And that's basically what vocation is. So vocation Hmm. is not about having a fantastic career, you know, it's not about having a successful career or successful (laughs) ministry. No, vocation is being faithful wherever you are, whether you're a grandparent, like I'm a grandmother now and I'm a wife and I'm a sister. And when my parents were alive, I was a daughter. In addition to that, I'm a professor and I'm a friend and I'm a voter. I'm a citizen. I'm a Mm. consumer. These are all the situations that I have that I find myself and it's in those, that's our vocation. It's where we are, where we are situated, where we have been called. And that's where um, God has called us to be an embodiment of Christ's life. We're called to be part of God's reign, God's kingdom, wherever it is in whatever situation that we're in. And so that's where this is all connected to vocation 
that the freer I am through trusting in Christ's promises for me, because I too, as you were saying earlier, I too have, I have received the same spirit that Jesus received in his baptism. Mm. And through the spirit, I now am called in whatever circumstance I'm in to be a place where God now um, heals the sick and releases demons and forgives Mm. sins. That's, that's where that's in a sense, that's to happen through me and through my relationships to others um, to bring good news to the poor. Um, You know, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to be, Um, to rebuild ruined cities. And it's not just me individually, but me working with others in that kind of freedom in love that we've been given. Um, That's the vocation that we're called. Our vocation is to be, as again, an image from Isaiah, a light to the nations who are Mm -hmm. a witness to God's mercy, God's righteousness, and God's justice. That's who we're called to be, and that's what we're called to embody. Whether it's in a, and it's, for me, it's easy as a teacher. I love my students. I'm not threatened by my students. This is hard in a faculty meeting where I'm with my colleagues who are my peers and we are competitive with one another. So that's, that's, that's in, a, in a meeting where I have an agenda, a, fac- a committee meeting where I have an agenda I want to push through for how I yeah. think the seminary should go. And I'm in conflict with a colleague with a different agenda. So that's where I have to claim the power of the Holy Spirit, the buckets of love that Romans yeah. 5 talks about, the Holy Spirit pouring love into my heart so that I can speak the truth, but I can still speak in love and be in relationship with my colleague who may have a very different vision for how he or she wants to see the seminary go. So that's, so it's not like the vocation is this perfect place where it's in the real complicated stuff of life, where, as you were saying earlier, where we have our fears, where we have our desires and where we need to die to our egos. um, That's where the Holy Spirit is at work, bringing about Christ's presence among us and through us. Oh, yes, Lois. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that you brought up a committee meeting of all places, of all the places in the world to think of the kingdom breaking in, like a, a committee meeting on the faculty of a seminary is, is like the last place. you would, That's exactly it's in the daily grind. It's in the uh, the the uh, daily performance of your ordinary duties. That's where the kingdom work gets done by the power of the spirit in us. What a beautiful, beautiful image. It's not some heroic uh, event. I mean, you can get kind of grandiose talking about being you know a light to the nations and and you talk about faculty meetings that's um okay last quote from your book i promise Uh, page 82 you say it is precisely in our daily lives at home at work in the society at large that the spirit works enacting the kingdom of god amen pass the plate i love it thank you for writing those words Hey, uh, before we're done here, I would like to get back to also the the Come Holy Spirit book and and turn to page, I believe it's page 70, yeah, let's go to page 75. This is day 21. And and I do want to read the devotion before we're, just to wrap up on page 74, but would you please read the Philippians 2 passage on page 75, then I'll read the devotion. All right, sounds good. So this is Philippians 2, 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, 
I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And the devotion is called Spilled Wine. You know what they say about spilled milk. But I've never heard anyone say that you shouldn't cry over spilled wine. I mean, if you drop a full glass of really nice wine, what's your reaction? What a loss! What a waste! What a mess! Maybe you don't actually cry. But maybe you want to. Writing to his friends in the Roman colony of Philippi, Paul uses some surprisingly Hebrew imagery. In the Old Testament, the priests sometimes had the job of pouring out a drink offering, that is, spilling fine wine over the sacrifice to make it pleasing to God. The Greeks and Romans knew of drink offerings too, but unlike the other gods around the ancient world, the God of Israel never needed to be fed by human offerings. The Old Testament gives us a picture of a God who wants fellowship with people and wants to remove sin so that eating and drinking in fellowship with God is possible. For the joy set before him, Jesus lives out that heart of God. Jesus empties himself, pours himself out, gives his own blood as wine. Following in his master's footsteps, Paul pours himself out as a drink offering that mingles with and enhances the sacrificial offering of his friend's faith. When you give yourself freely for the sake of people you love, when you pour yourself into the faithful service of others, when you join your self-giving love to the self-giving love of your friends, you don't experience that as loss at all. Life might get messy, but when you live in the abundance of knowing Jesus, pouring yourself out for others doesn't bring the pain of waste or loss. That fellowship offering brings tears of joy. I guess you can cry over spilled wine. Lois, any closing thoughts for us today? I just love that image of crying over spilt wine, the tears of joy, and that and that we an image I use in my classes is that we splash around in God's love, which I mm. think ties in with the imagery that you have here of the the drink offering, the 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 wine that's poured out. That's what the Holy Spirit does through us and in us. And so it's kind of like we hose each other down in the spirit. <laughs> Yes. So. Yeah. Wonderful. Playful. I could just imagine kids kind of running through the sprinkler and, you know, sh shooting water at each other and just kind of exulting in that experience. What a wonderful fellowship image. It has been such a joy to get to know you a little bit and hear about your work with the Holy Spirit and your teaching and uh, your insight into the Spirit in our common everyday ordinary lives. It's been a real blessing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Justin, as well. I'd like to close with a prayer on the bottom of page 75. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given me the ability and opportunity to pour into the lives of others. Have I told you lately about some of my favorite people and what they are up to? I place these people especially before your throne of grace. Father, thank you for Lois. Thank you for 
the gift she is to your body, the, the church. Thank you for her care for her students and for her care for her colleagues. Thank you for the insight that she's given us today and that she continues to pour out onto the people that read her books or who have her for class. Please continue to shape the wonderful uniqueness you have placed in her so that as she becomes more and more like Jesus, she might become more and more a blessing to other people. Thank you, Lord, for the people you've placed in my life. Show me how I can serve them in your name this week. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Justin. This has been beautiful. Thanks, Lois. I, I feel the same way. That was Professor Lois Malcolm. She's the author of the book, Holy Spirit, Creative Power in Our Lives. I'll make sure to link to that book in the description of this podcast, as well as to the Come Holy Spirit Daily Discipleship Travelogue for Easter to Pentecost from Next Step Press. I'll also put a link into the Come Holy Spirit Facebook group. If you haven't joined that yet, we'd love to have you as a part of the conversation. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. So good to take a small next step following Jesus together. And this week, look for ways in which the Holy Spirit is pouring into you and shaping even the things that have been difficult or challenging in your life to make a unique piece of beautiful art that benefits the body of Christ. A special thanks to you Next Step patrons. Your encouragement and your support really help us help other people delight in taking a next step following Jesus. If now is the right time for you to consider becoming a Next Step patron, then see the link in the description of the podcast. Thanks again for being with us today, and we'll see you next time at Next Step Press.